This week, it's a short and not-so-sweet takedown of the Stand miniseries from 1993, as we conclude our two-part autopsy of one of the great post-apocalypse epics of the last couple of centuries. We've got a lot to say, so let's get started. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> and welcome back to both of us. Uh, the dark multiverse of Stephen King. Yes, and you are Kathleen. Yes. Bentley Shike. <laughs> and, <laughs> and you are Brad Brad months and months. Months and months and many times in there somewhere. My middle name is Robert uh, oh. for no reason at all that I'm wearing. It was my grandfather's name. I never met him. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, died the merchant marines up in the great lakes back during the big war oh wow what my dad told me anyway anyway um we're to talk about as always the works of stephen king and whatever video medium there was that did something with him a movie a tv show a tv series whatever Mm -hmm. in this case it's a little bit of all those as we do the stand Mm -hmm. again last week we did all about the book and this week we're going to talk about the miniseries that was done yeah. in, I guess, 1983. 1994. Oh, damn. I'm way off. <laughs> yeah. Which doesn't seem like that long ago, but in fact is 25 years. Yeah. And I mean, the quality of it is just so crazy. Like it's, I thought it was my glasses, you know, uh-huh. so I took, put my glasses on and I was like, oh, that doesn't really help much. It's so strange. Actually, you know? I read someplace real recently that they're actually going to do, probably because of all the activity around the CBS show, they're doing a Blu-ray of this version of The oh, Stand. Oh, wow. Okay, cool. Just now. But think about it. 25 years, no one's bothered. <laughs> not, not the greatest show you ever saw in a lot no, of ways. No, the special and, effects are really shitty. Well, there are a lot of a <laughs> lot of issues with it, but that's what we're here to talk about. Yeah. Because last week we decided, I think we agreed, weirdly enough, that there's some great characters, there's mm. some great images, very right. effective and lasting. And, and again, the book, which is far older even than this, is after 40 years still mm-hmm. rings in your head. Things but, you can't forget, exactly. But that the story itself wanders all over the place, and a lot of characters <sighs> never get an ending right. of anything they there's deserve. There's not a full arc, it just kind of yeah, stops. Yeah, it just kind of peters out, and that the ending makes you want to kind of hide your head. Uh, so, yeah. uh, oh my God, yes! It okay. is it is a strangely powerful but very flawed book. But uh, it, you know, super worth the read. Oh, know? absolutely! I really, absolutely. really loved it. And when you start talking about what are the best books that King wrote, you're still going to put The Stand up there with right. Salem's Lot and with Carrie and with mm-hmm. you know, The Shining and a couple of the others that you think are the best. But there's there's no question; it's not a bad book yeah. by any stretch. It is just it's both powerful and flawed. Like you said, every, every chapter he wanted chapter to add a new wanted, character, yes. and, and that was an interesting writer's challenge. But unfortunately, <laughs> he did also didn't say in every chapter I want to give a good ending to a character right. in the second half. So a lot of them just kind of wander away. Yeah. After he's introduced them, and that's that's a problem. But it seems to me now that I said that the the TV series starring mm-hmm. Gary Sinise and right. Ray Walston Mo- and Molly Ringwald, Molly Ringwald, and bunches of other people is not powerful. And not satisfying. I mean, it's, the book is powerful but flawed. Right. This is just flawed. It is. <laughs> it's a the, shit show. <laughs> yeah. Even by the standards of 1994. I can't wait for them to redo it. Uh, it'll be real interesting. And this is, I'll tell you, the, the word has just come out that there will that the last episode of the, I think it's eight episode. I think I've heard seen six, seven, and eight. But the last episode of the new one is uh-huh. going to be written by Stephen King. Yes. And he's going to continue the story. 
Oh. He's gonna. It's gonna a good portion of that, not just a little epilogue. He's saying, right. but most of that last episode is gonna pick up after the end of the stand and tell us what happened next to some quote of the characters. That's all we know. Really? Yeah. But he just so he's gonna. It so the last episode is gonna be. So basically, if it's eight uh, episodes total, episode seven will be the end of the book, the stand. Yeah, that does tell us that they're not eight. gonna do half of the book like they did with Nosferatu. Right. They're doing the entire stand in seven whatever mm-hmm. episodes, and then good chunk of that last one is going to continue now the the epilogue epilogue. in the book does give us a little hint of what happens with a few of the characters right but we don't really know which one other than just a bunch of pregnancies and people uh on the you know the free zone and then on the other side in the vegas side they just are running off to south america or whatever I, i think king's only real message there at the end was they don't live happily ever after they just don't think that you know everything is fine now that Vegas is a crater and that Boulder, everybody lives happily ever after. A lot of them are not satisfied with that. They're not comfortable with it. They wander off. They leave. Yeah, they want to make their own. To do their own thing. Mm -hmm. And there are plenty of dark places in the world now that are filled with ugly things, including... Dairy. I would love it if like somebody decides to go to dairy. The post-stand dairy. (laughs) Yeah. But also, like he says, there's a facility someplace filled with plague and bombs and Mm -hmm. things. And someday somebody's going to find that right and like the trash can man yeah yeah (laughs) sadly is no longer i know my my, my favorite character i I I think that's so funny that he's your favorite character in the movie and the book or just oh the the movie in the the book i like i like the crazy guy bit but i admit it's a particular affection for the actor and and the role (laughs) as as it's put in the movie which is i think interesting to me for you my life for you there are (laughs) characters in this that I think are well portrayed because I, I like the actors or I think they got a chance to roll. Mm-hmm. But that's about all. What's strange to me is that the flaws in the story are preserved and in some cases made even worse in the movie. Right. Yeah. So a lot of characters peter out and you never see them. And a lot of the characters that didn't get endings in the book don't get any better endings mm-hmm. in the movie. And then it, what is even worse is a lot of the characters are not particularly vivid and not particularly interesting i really like nadine cross in the movie Mm -hmm. she's the one that was in pretty woman she was kit deluca the best friend of julie roberts Uh, Uh, so that's the only other thing i know her from but i really like her she's done a ton of stuff i'm sure yeah she had a tv sitcom for years (laughs) and yeah laura san giacomo oh uh is her name and uh she's really good was really good i think she's not doing a lot these days i think just chooses not to Remember, we're talking 25 years. A number of these characters have passed away. Actors have passed away. Others have moved into either semi-retirement or full retirement. Right. Of course, I, I have two particular favorites in this list. Go for it. Well, one is Ralph Steadman, the actor, is Ray Walston. Oh, and- uh, Ralph Bateman. Ralph Bateman. Excuse me, I always say Steadman. I don't know. Anyway, we, we did that last week. I know. Well, Ralph Bateman. corner, corner, corner. Uh, is... Uh, <laughs> is Ray Walston and I've loved Ray Walston since Damn Yankees and since My Favorite Martian and <laughs> and he passed away a number of years ago but he was a great actor so I would watch him do you anything. know do anything yeah. so just seeing him here and do his his bit as Mr. Exposition that was worth it all by itself right and the other one was Matt Frewer doing Trash Can Man. Oh, exactly. the name I actress, just yeah. like, yeah, Matt, well, Matt Fuhrer is an amazing character actor. Uh, he plays Trash Can Man really well. Yeah, he's a crazy, he's always um, playing. Well, he, lunatic whole, firebug. He was just a regular role, not a regular role, but a character actor, long face, dark, until Max Headroom came along. 
Max, you don't remember Max Headroom? No. Oh, I'm so old. <laughs> I got Max Headroom like, started <laughs> as a commercial uh, for a soft drink. He was the guy on the television who would go, eh, 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 and would like move around, and you'd see, you look like oh. a virtual a reality character that I was know badly what you're talking done. About, right. Yeah, you can look at like, Google Max Headroom. And I remember that and now. That actor under the makeup there and digitally uh-huh. messed with, or in that case, optically messed with, was Matt Frewer. And that. Oh made him not a star but a really good character actor who was in demand and this was in you know 25 years ago this is one of his big deals and basically he's playing another crazy ass guy mm-hmm. in this case he gets to play the craziest of all the craziest Crash Game Man. yes and i'll just watch him all day he's done a million things since he's still working <laughs> he's still out there and a wonderful actor someday i would love to meet matt Brewer. so he's one of those actors game. you'd love to have a drink with yeah absolutely mm-hmm. he's one if i ever ended with a con or anything Mad drinks are on me. I really enjoyed him. The rest of them, are there any others that you particularly liked? Um, I like Stu Redman, of course. I think that Harold was well played by... um, Corin Nemec, who really hadn't... His dad was a studio executive, and he was kind of well-known. He had mm -hmm. one short live Fox show, but he's been around a while, but nothing else that's really... Yeah, big. he and did good at playing a little bitch. You know, Harold yeah, is a little bitch of a character. He didn't look anything like no, what I expected Harold, to, to, Harold look like. to look like. I mean, they tried a little bit with the bad skin mm-hmm. at the beginning, but I saw him as kind of big and doughy and a real yeah. live, full-on, mm-hmm. you know, 1980s nerd. Yes, uh, definitely. With the glasses and they the didn't have bad a shot skin. in hell with Fran. You yeah, know? It's right. Like, exactly. Right. So when she gently pushed him away in terms of romance early on. Mm-hmm. It made perfect sense in the book. In totally. here, he's not that bad looking. Yeah. And he's not that junked up or anything else. Doesn't right. lose a lot of weight. So his transformation is not nearly as effective. I thought that, uh, as, among others, not really great casting. Casting, right. I liked Molly Ringwald as Franny, but she's kind of a little... I, I think that Franny in the book is a lot stronger than yeah. Molly Ringwald. Comes off as like a, help me, you know, with the hand up, at, you know, back of the hand on your forehead. And, oh, I've got the vapors type of thing. Let the man and you don't get that sense of the strength. strong core yes. to her. And I don't know, again... Of a girl who is like, I'm not going to give my kid up for adoption. I'm going to keep it, and I don't give a fuck what anybody thinks. And I know that I'm an unmarried woman, and that's fine. I'm going to deal with it. You know, she's very strong in the book, yeah. and you don't get that And there's some wonderful scenes with her dad in, yeah. in town early on in the book that establishes that determination. Yes. But there's no time, or there's no intent. So we don't pick her up until right. that, until she's burying her dad, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, you know, too late to, yes. to do that. I did like Miguel Ferrer, who played Lloyd. Oh, uh, yeah. I thought his voice, he's got the great voice and the rest. And that yeah, I agree. sense of kind of desperate determination in that guy. He's great. He was great for years. He was mm-hmm. in Crossing Jordan for a number of years and then has worked steadily on mostly cop shows for obvious reasons. Right. All the way up until his death a few years ago. Oh, his God. father was also a well known actor. He was in the Kane Mutiny, among other things. So he's quite the guy. And some folks have said, that they thought he would have been a better Randall Flagg Ooh, than the fellow like who was charged with playing Randall okay, Flagg. Okay, so that's what we're going to get to. Yeah, let's, let's get the flag. We gotta, let's get the flag and get it over with now because this is the main thing. I dislike the guy that plays Randall Flagg as much as you dislike the woman who plays Mother Abigail, where it's like... I don't dislike Ruby mm-hmm. Dee. I think she's great. I think no, it's, it's a real the problem. it's just the makeup and the, you know... Didn't and, believe her for an instant. Right, exactly. And I didn't believe that this guy could be Randall Flagg. Someone is powerful, you know, not an immortal, but one of the people that lives thousands of years and, you know, is just this evil entity. Like you were saying last week, 
has to have charisma. Has yeah. to be somebody that you need to be watching him. This guy has got a mullet and he's just, he's not that great of an yeah, actor. We should, we should probably pause for a moment yeah. to talk about the mullets. There's way too many mullets too in many this mullets. thing. His hair is by far the worst. Oh, it's horrible. Uh, the actor who's really just kind of did this movie and then kind of disappeared, who mm -hmm. plays the musician, one of the, the four, <laughs> yeah. is also uh, charged with a, a mullet. It's um, so many mullets. Yeah. It's just terrible. Oh, they're it's, horrible. Especially, the rest of the costuming is kind of timeless. It's just all kind of rough and tumble. It works fine. And, Everything and that's how good. Stephen King always describes his bad guys as being these real cool guys, usually have kind of longer hair. They love their jean jackets. They love their jean pants and their cow jean jeans, jean jeans, and jean their jeans. cowboy boots. He considers that to be very cool, you know, and Stephen King, I don't think felt like, you know, he's not the best looking guy, you know what I mean? No. It's like, and he's a little awkward looking. So he always writes these wicked characters with, this wicked, you know, rugged, good looks type of thing. But they tend to always seem to have mullets. <laughs> Who knows why? Yeah. But mullets <laughs> seem to be part of the Stephen King oeuvre. And <laughs> we're stuck with them, God knows, in this movie. There were just so many mistakes that right. the director, Mick Garris, made in particularly in Randall Flagg. Right. Wrong actor. Now, Jamie Sheridan, who was the actor who played him, was a really talented guy mm -hmm. who's done a lot of good work. He, too, was on a regular on Law & Order for years, playing mm -hmm. the long-suffering sergeant. He's a little older now. He's still around, still seems doing stuff. He had done a TV series just before this called Shannon's Deal about a no-account attorney gambling addict who... Got cases to pay off his gambling debts. It was a really That's good hysterical. deal. That yeah, sounds, it was a great show. That sounds and, interesting. And so he was kind of a moderate uh, TV star at this point, not big. Right. But I don't blame him. He did the best he could with a role that he should not have yeah, no, taken. Absolutely not. But he doesn't have any real charisma. He's not no, at I, the center of this thing. You know, I mean, special effects aside, the acting, it's not powerful enough. It's not villainous enough you know how it is when like you really want to get your point across to somebody instead of shouting it it's scarier when you actually just say it real low mm -hmm. you know and then that's kind of what it makes me think of is he's a little just too kind of all over the place and i'm sure that that's the director's fault well and again what's interesting is that it's true that when we see flag he's not shot or lit any differently than anybody else right Garris kind of locks the camera down in mid-scene and everything's shot in the same way. All the people, mm -hmm. there are no real extreme close-ups. There's no really long, interesting shots except for establishing. It's yeah, it's boring. It and, is. And so you've got characters that are supposed to be iconic and supposed to be right. bigger than life. Not all of them, but certainly Mother Abigail mm -hmm. and, and Flag. And they look just like everybody else. Except for when Mother Abigail's on the porch. That's the only time where the lighting is actually different than anything yeah, else in the and then, and then he, he, he dollies in a bit yeah. on her. And I think that's a dream sequence choice. I don't think it's because, yeah. you know, but that would have been but nice in, if they would have In real done life, yeah. when, when they all go finally visit her in, what is it, Oklahoma? Is that? Oh, oh damn it. Hemingford <laughs> home, Nebraska, Brad. That's right. Yeah, Kansas. That's what I said. And <laughs> even when Stu tumbles down the hill and breaks his legs so horribly, or even right. when they they're trapped in the snow at the end trying to get back. There's no sense of claustrophobia. There's no sense of cold. There's no sense of heat. Yeah. It's just flat as a freaking pancake throughout. Mm -hmm. And that's true, got to say, pretty much all of Mick Garris's direction. He's just not that good. Oh, he's, he's not, not that, that vivid. So you see a lot of these different things he's done, and they're just not... So memorable. the actors don't really have to try that hard then because he's like, eh, who gives a shit? You know, he's well, over there counting money in the corner. And I think Mick cares a lot. He's a close friend of, of King's. Oh, okay. He's a good guy, I think. I don't know if he didn't have the tools available at the time or the right. money or whatever, 
But I mean, consider this was done in mm-hmm. not in the eighties. This was done in ninety four. You could make really interesting right. visual movies at that point if you chose to, but I don't know if it was a budget thing or if he was told he had to use a lot of TV stars mm-hmm. or whatever. But yeah, like a certain quota of like famous people to kind of pull it in. And well, and it's people, like I don't we, know. the most expensive. We can't. Gary Sinise is as high the list as we can go in right. terms of the big guys, or Ray Walston, who's in summer retirement, or Jamie Sheridan, all mm-hmm. TV people. Bill Fagerbach, who does Tom Cullen. I love Tom Cullen. He was already... I love Nick Andrews. Oh, that would have been expensive, too, is getting Rob Lowe. Yeah, Rob Lowe was probably mm-hmm. one of their big... Yeah. Stars. Yeah, he was in all the posters. But, but Fagerbach is a good example. He was already doing the big dumb guy in Coach, in the TV oh, show Coach. Right. And in the middle of this. He'd already done oh, it for I a couple totally of years. He did show. this, and then huh. he did that for a few more years. Though he's probably best remembered, not for any of that, but for being Patrick the Starfish in SpongeBob SquarePants. I can't believe that. No way. That's, no, that's, that's, that's him. That's, <laughs> he continues to, to this day. He's still did almost, Spongebob I can't say exclusively, SquarePants. it's true, um, <laughs> voice work pretty much after he finished Coach in 97, I think it was. Most of what he did after that, he did a few bits here and there, but right. by and large, he just did voice work on a lot of different things. But Patrick is oh my his gosh. major deal. As far as I know, is still doing it. I don't know if they're making new SpongeBob's anymore. <laughs> I don't know, but I didn't understand what SpongeBob SquarePants was, what it was about, anything. And then a friend of mine said, Here, take these mushrooms yeah, <laughs> and then yeah. let's watch this. My and I was like, Ah, oh, I get the, it. <laughs> the guy who did the voice and also co created it did a song a couple of years ago, a Christmas song. <laughs> And that was Don't Be a Jerk, It's Christmas. It's a really a very cute song, Aww. except in the original version, it's Don't Be a Dick, It's Christmas. <laughs> and he had to re-record it because they wouldn't let him release it. As yeah, they're like, no. Dick. <laughs> nah, it's, that's SpongeBob, but you can't do that. <laughs> we wanted to mention Abigail. We talked about Mother Abigail right. a little. Um, played by Ruby D, who, again, I think did an excellent job in what was a very difficult role in that you got a woman who was probably in her 60s at the time mm-hmm. and had to look like the oldest black woman of all time and right. play essentially a black stereotype. Mm-hmm. And it was real weird because she and her husband, Ossie Davis, they were well-known political activists. Uh-oh. They won awards from the NAACP. They were all this kind of thing. They were major players in black theater and in black culture, black politics, mm-hmm. all the way to the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. She died at the age of 91, almost oh as old as Mother Abigail, <laughs> just a few years ago. And she was married to Ossie Davis, the guy who played the judge. Oh, judge? no way. Yeah. That, that's her husband that's her in husband, life? That's her husband, yeah. I and, didn't know that. That's yeah. so awesome. Yeah, I like the judge. They have only one tiny scene together when they show up in... Um, in Boulder. In... in is it in Boulder or is or it back? It I think they're actually in Hemingford in Home. Yeah. He's one of the people that arrives and he goes up and they never actually say a word to each other. He goes, glad to meet you or something like that and walks inside. I it's like see they don't. That. Get, That's so yeah, cute. it's very I have funny. to watch that again. But yeah, now. They, they were in many ways stage royalty. But I think she did as good a job as possible. But again, very difficult role right. to pull off in a lot of ways. But I appreciate what she did. And the judge, Anasi, was just basically wasted as he is in the book. Mm. He's a background character. King clearly decided he needed to send three people to Vegas and that one of them would have to die pretty quick. Yeah, and get crucified. And that's what happened to the judge. We're watching this in the background. I just got a good look at my man, Matt. <laughs> right there at the end, all covered in sores and about to he blow the is, shit up. Fuck he's up. riding in on a thermonuclear warhead. There he is. And he's dude. sunburned and scorched to all hell. And he just and, and radiation poisoning. Oh, and he's radiation dying. poisoning. That's, that's right. That's why he's so bad. Yeah. Oh, he's so scary. Yeah, it looks at even even Miguel Ferrer's going, what the ever loving fuck, man. And Matt Ferrer, I don't know, he just seems to take makeup better than anybody. Yeah. He always has, back from the mm-hmm. early days. And it's like, geez, 
I like when he arrives in Vegas and he's all sunburned initially and mm -hmm. he just goes, my life for you. And then he dives into the pool. <laughs> like it's not even a pool, it's a fountain. He just goes swimming in the fountain. Yeah, because like, yeah, he's so badly damaged. You had said there were other characters that you liked just I, in passing. Okay, so on the evil guy side, I I really like the rat man. And yeah. I don't know the actor that plays... His name was Rick Avilas. He, he had done a lot of uh, okay. roles, uh, little roles, up until that time. He died about a year man. after this was made. Oh, a year after? Yeah, yeah, 94. Oh my gosh, you know yeah. why? It doesn't say oh, here on IMDb. Man. But yeah, I was wondering why he suddenly... These guys either suddenly off. retire or they die. In this case, I died. Yeah. So. Oh, man. No, I really like him. I'm the rat man. He's just perfectly suited for that character, and he just does it really well. Interestingly enough, another one of the major characters that just kind of faded is the guy who played Larry Underwood. Named Adam Stork. And I don't know that he ever I've did anything heard. again or anything right. of any big size. This was his big break deal. And again, another character who supposed to be a hit musician, right? Yeah, Again, no he's a good real flat. Guy, but yeah, real flat. No, not a great piece of casting. Not an interesting guy. Hadn't come off a big TV show like most of the rest of these guys had. Right. You know, Rob Lowe, playing Nick Andros, was good enough. I think the role is nearly impossible. You know, he's good enough. He is a handsome, charming fellow, and you like him. Yeah. But again, when we're talking about not fixing flaws in the book, right. why does Nick become a leader of the people in Boulder? What special charisma or... I don't know. It's it's no. almost like just because they all arrive together, they're like best buds. And you know, it's like automatically, yeah. he's mm -hmm. going to be one of the ones. You can kind of see why Stu Redman did. And they did do a good job in choosing Gary Sinise to do that. Sinise, at that point, I don't know if he'd done any big TV stuff. He had done a lot of stage work. Clearly, very I powerful like guy. And you yeah. can see why people were drawn to him as a leader. He was just that kind of guy. Mm -hmm. And, of course, he went on to do a number of shows. Probably the best was Law & Order New York for a couple of years. Oh, okay. He's now a big conservative spokesperson. Oh. Uh, one of the rare Hollywood mm -hmm. conservatives out there. But you can see his charisma. But he's about the only one. Right. I think the director just didn't demand anything out of his actors. It was just like, come to work, know your lines, the end. I'll, I'll film it. And that's yeah, what's happening. Certainly, certainly the way it came out mm -hmm. at, at the end of the whole thing. I think that maybe that's why Tom Cullen is a mentally disabled guy that travels with Nick. And I think because he's playing that kind of character from coach or whatever it allows for him to mm -hmm. kind of just be something that he's already familiar and comfortable well, with he, he so. pretty much made a career of playing the big dumb guy whether he was mentally challenged or not right that's what his character on coach was that's what patrick is okay yeah that's yeah. what uh, <laughs> that's what so, so tom the, cullen is that's the, his bit again the director didn't have to demand anything out of him because he was like oh that's my that's my jam that's the guy yeah <laughs> when somebody said hey we should get bill figurebacky to do this oh yeah that's the one that's the one yeah that's <laughs> gonna, and it, then that'll be a very interesting bit of casting yeah in this new one yeah how do you think i mean i don't know again you we've got imagine? you've got the super deaf guy You've got the mentally challenged guy. You've got the ancient black stereotype. Mm -hmm. You've got three major uncomfortable characters. And as far as I know, they haven't cast any of them yet. Right. Now, it looks like they're going with James Marsden to do yeah, uh, Stu Redman. Mm -hmm. I think Marsden's a good actor. He's a little too pretty. I would have made him somebody else in the deal, but I don't know if I would have made him Stu. Right. They have cast, I believe they've cast... You said Whoopi Goldberg for Mother Yeah, Abigail. well, no, that hasn't been announced oh, yet. Okay, good. That's I hope rumored, not. and they haven't made any announcements about Flag or Trash Can Man. I, I just um, think Whoopi's too pretty. I mean, she, she's a great actress, but, you know, I don't think... She's too 
recognizable. That exactly. It's going to yes. be very difficult, even with bad That's or good age makeup on, to look at her. It's like for me, and it wasn't fair because he was clearly born to play it, but when they made Patrick Stewart Professor X in the X-Men movies. Okay, gotcha. The whole time, all I'm saying is, oh, Picard's doing X-Men mm-hmm. or Patrick Stewart. So right. you, know, you can't ever, no matter how good an actor he is, he is what he is. Right. And he did other things. He did a movie called Green Room where he plays the head of a Nazi group where you don't think about that at all. But oh, really? from one kind of superhero to another, mm-hmm. looking exactly the same, designed exactly the same, right. it doesn't play. How much can they disguise Whoopi Goldberg right. to do this thing in a way that's not going to be distracting? At least Ruby D wasn't as iconic in her own right for most people. So we could accept that role in her. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am not happy there. And unless it's Nick Cage playing <laughs> I Randall can't imagine Flagg. exactly anybody else other than Nicolas Cage for Randall Flagg, I think would be just a waste. <laughs> yeah. And I would like to see they get somebody big and fat and stupid and have them losing and maybe film him backwards, whatever. To um, play Harold. You got to play Harold. Yeah. I want to see a real life nerd for Harold. Yeah. And a chubby nerd. Yeah. If we're gets... not going to fix the plot, at least let's this time around have memorable characters right. in the in the series that are as memorable as the ones right. that are in the book. I wonder how much more they're going to include from the book that they wouldn't have been able to include in this because back in 94, you know, rules were stricter than Maybe, they are yeah. now, you know. I mean, AMC, I remember when I started watching The Walking Dead, I wasn't really into the first couple of seasons, and then I started, you know, season three is what I think I started with. It basically, I was like, oh my God, they can put this on television? Like, that's, mm-hmm. you know, some of the things that are on there, I was very surprised, the the language as well, you know, so I think that the stand... Well, and yeah, know, and CBS is not doing it for their regular network, but behind the firewall, and we'll see how graphic they get. Right. Uh, certainly, if you're watching something, like right now I'm watching a thing called The Boys. It's original content on Amazon, mm-hmm. which is based on an extremely violent comic book. And there oh. are, you know, people that explode into little gobbets of blood. That, you know, there's a character who fights an invisible guy, uh-huh. and, he, and he fights him after he gets hit in the mouth, and he spits blood on the invisible guy so he can see his outline and oh spit my God. blood, and then beats the crap out of him. I mean, it, you can go a lot farther right. on network TV now than you used to. That's why great... Yeah. Great series, by the way, The Boys. But there are a couple of key scenes, as well as some secondary characters left out of the movie that I wanted to see. Agreed. I did not like that they got rid of the woman that Larry left New York with and who died they you made know. it one character. They made Nadine into yeah, two but, women, but yeah. I, but I she doesn't die. That whole right. scene where he wakes up in the morning and she's dead next to him, yeah, even after they escaped from New York, mm-hmm. and his guilt and all that, all that right. goes away. That makes him into actually a better person, and he starts evolving and transforming. It's a, it's a major jerk. character yeah, moment mm-hmm. for Larry Underwood, and we don't get that at all. Right. We also, the whole scene of them getting through the the tunnel uh, the tunnel was not nearly as gut-wrenching as it is in the book yeah but again that's a graphic issue to a mm. point so we don't get that character we do get nadine we get the wild kid but yeah he's not particularly wild and no, he barely, i would you know, like to have that in the newsstand the wild kid for sure and you know have the two different women instead of just making it into mm-hmm. one person with nadine cross the, but uh the, another one was the, the kid that mm-hmm. whole see particularly in the unabridged version the crazy we talked about him last mm-hmm. episode the crazy little cowboy dwarf in the oh, you know right. that whole that whole sequence is yeah, not in the movie and that's again true. maybe for time concerns me that we've only got about the same amount of time for this new one right. so maybe we won't see well, that either though oh, I you're right because six hours is six episodes now instead of how they did this two of them that were three hours long yeah it's about six hours they're going to be roughly the same yeah. length and the third thing that is with Lloyd 
Oh, right. When he's in jail, stuck in jail, and he thinks he's going to die yes. there. There's one other inmate who's there, there. There's a guard, actually. Is it a guard? In the book, it's a guard. Ah. And he had been patrolling the hallway or something, and he got sick, and he fell down and Lloyd ends up figuring out through starvation and just continuously taking things apart in his room that he can and pulling the leg over. And Right. He, he snags the body and pulls yep. it over and eats part of it before Flag gets there. Yes. So he's cannibal at that mm-hmm. point just to stay alive. In the TV show, he's just got an uneaten rat that we see for one second. That he pets that he's like Lenny yeah. and by some minute he's like, I'm going to save you for later. But yeah, not but we never actually yet. see him yeah. eat it and, we, and there is nobody else. And right. it's weird because you have to wonder if Garrus wanted to film that because there's actually a line late in yes. the series where Flag says something about his roommate. Yeah, uh, you're on my buddy. side. Remember, otherwise you'd still be eating the rest of your cellmate. Yeah, or something or like that. You know, roommate so or whatever, it's making a reference. Which wasn't even, yeah, when it didn't happen out. Again, now Mick is still around. You could ask him. No, I don't think he talked to me now. <laughs> but uh, about what happened, why he didn't do that. But yeah. that too, really, just how desperate Lloyd was. So when Flag finally shows really up, because he really was starving. Yeah, yeah. I and mean, he doesn't look that bad in no. jail. He looks slightly desperate. But then Miguel yeah. Ferrer always looks slightly desperate. <laughs> and there's none of that. And it would have been so much better if we'd seen that. So those kind of key mm-hmm. moments get left out yeah and then at the ending with the cheesiness Mm. i mean literally the trash can comes with the thermonuclear weapon i guess they were going to use it to blast colorado off the map and this cartoon hand comes down and picks up the bomb yeah but then it still goes off so i don't understand well in the book the ending is fairly complicated and it's not in the movie in the book flag is slowly losing confidence and losing the crowd yeah and there are things he can't see now. There are things he can't understand right. uh, where he had complete control, but he's very shaken. He's shaken by the fact mm-hmm. that one of the three spies that he thought had under control kills herself right in front of him and he can't stop it. Yeah, he and he'd been planning enough. on torturing all this information. Right. Yeah, right. and he's further rattled by the fact that he didn't even aware of the three, the four that were coming from Colorado mm-hmm. until way into until, it. And even yeah. then he couldn't quite understand what was going on. And why they were coming. It was yeah. Kind of in the book, it filled him with a little bit of fear. Yeah. His wife, that for whatever weird-ass Stephen King reason, he <laughs> insisted he had to impregnate and do all that, right. th- throws herself off the balcony mm-hmm. completely against plan. That wasn't what he expected right. or wanted. And that's and th- publicly. Yeah, I mean, and publicly. Yeah, something where it's like people that were riding the fence at that point were like, we're out of here, you know, take yeah, out South America. Yeah, and people are defecting. Mm-hmm. At that point, he's saying, yeah, go, we don't need you then. I mean, he's, right. he's breaking already. Yes. So then we get to the end, and he finally uses his power directly to kill one of the traitors, one of the guys that's going to leave mm-hmm. town. And that ball, that ball lightning or whatever it is, gets out of control. And at the same time that Trash Can shows up, he didn't know Trash Can was coming. Right. He didn't ask for the bomb. No, he did not. He thought he was gone and dead and out of there. So yeah. another thing he couldn't see, he didn't right. understand. So he was shocked by the surprise of it. Mm-hmm. Now he's got a nuclear weapon set in the middle of Vegas with all of his people. And that ball lightning goes completely out of control, envelops it, and apparently detonates it. Right. Yes, there is correct. all of what, two or three sentences in the book that some of the characters looks up and sees a hand in the sky. It looks like a hand. Oh, yeah, a cloud that looks like a hand. But that's all that it is. It. There isn't this explicit hand of God that comes down. And, right. So there isn't any voiceover of Abigail saying you did right. good boys or whatever. All that's 
yeah. added in in the movie and badly. Yes, uh, it was not for the better. As if they're trying to stitch together a good reason or what actually happened. What happened is that he broke that the weight of this evil of this plan broke the human that was underneath it or inside it. Right. And that he couldn't follow through. It got out of his control and he ended mm-hmm. up blowing Yeah, he didn't know how to control the Like evil that, always does. Like evil always does, like the Death Star. Like Salem's Lot. <laughs> like <laughs> where they take over the whole town, but their own ego and lust for power and the rest causes them to lose control of the town. That's true. I mean, it's... God, I haven't read Salem's the Lot seeds so of long. Desire. I remember We'll it, be getting but, it because yeah. there's a series there too. We're mm-hmm. going to have to see sometime. But... There's a the series of Salem's Lot. Yeah, see it with uh, oh yeah, the guy from Starsky and Hutch, uh, one of the two original stars of Starsky is the main character. When did this come out? Oh, we'll look it up. And okay. I'll, I'll tell oh you. my yeah, goodness. No, there's there's a Salem's Lot miniseries. Oh my bad. god, I'm excited. Just as bad as this. Oh fuck. Yeah. Well, and there isn't yeah. right now. My as far as we know. Wilted. Well, as far as we know, there isn't any plans to do a new Salem's Lot, but maybe someday. Yeah. And I love uh, that book. Yeah. Now that it is doing so well, you got to figure somebody's out there. Trying to put together a Salem's Lot. Oh, for sure. TV show or movie or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then we should also mention that, you know, yeah, the quality of the special effects is just, even by early 90s standards, is really awful. Right. Whoever designed... I know, it's bad. It's... The monster look for Flag. <laughs> the two different monster looks. Are, it's, uh, oh, well, it's kind so of connected. horrible. You got a basically bald-headed demon. Well, or, or it, it melts hairline, like even. wax melting yeah. and goes into one and he's got like the horns that come down. So it kind of looks like hair. And then he's got the other face that's like, oh, and then when he's raping Nadine on their wedding night, he changes into it looks like a sock puppet or something. <laughs> other than his eyes, he looks like he's just got stitching all over his face. It looks like a dirty burlap sack or something. Yeah, it's, it's very just, strange. It's yeah, awful it's and ineffective. Whereas Matt Frohr can wear makeup really well, mm. clearly uh, yeah, Sheridan this guy can't. couldn't. And it just looks lumpy and stupid. And, and of course, they it don't change anything else. He's and the still teeth and the eyes. a normal body, still wearing his jeans right. jacket and his jeans. And it's like, it just looks like a guy wearing a bad mask, which yeah. is exactly what it was. Exactly. And it's completely In the book, did he change into things? I yeah, mean, d- I... when she is raped by him and uh-huh. she looks up, he turns into a monster. Okay. I don't recall that he does... With anybody else. Like when he's confronting the woman that tries to stab him with a banana. Dana. Dana. Mm-hmm. I don't recall that he did there or not. The one time that I do know that he kind of lost control completely is when he rapes Nadine right. to make the baby. Because kind of like maybe he has to. Right. And that's why when she says later, your seed is cold. Right. It's like you were. it's a demon that raped me. And that's why she breaks mm-hmm. too is that yeah. it's not Her hair some, turns white overnight. Yeah. And he's not some human dark messiah. He's a demon. He's, yes. He's, tack he's something. He's not. He's, he's tack. Exactly. He's <clears throat> yeah. tack. He's Linode. He's all those non-immortals. But definitely, you know, they live long friggin' lives generally. And they're all about their evilness and trying to... Yep, and Corrupt. the seeds of their destruction are in them mm-hmm. always. They, they always never... want a child. You know, Linoge wanted a child too, but I think it was just to fuck up the, the town. You know, when we're talking about... Storm of the Century. Storm of the Century, thank yeah. you. Yeah, maybe, but you're right. Children are often important to these creatures yes. for whatever. Which is, again, we talked about this, is it King's whole mythology of this. Who was this creature? Where does it come <laughs> from in the tower? Why does he need a child when yeah. when he doesn't seem interested in it up until then? Yeah, uh, it's like why isn't he just enough himself, especially if he's lasting thousands of years? He doesn't yeah, need to, you know. And was never really explained one way or another, and that tends to kind of undercut the drama of right. it all. 
but but between the bad makeup and the oh, lackluster directing at best and a lot of bad casting so it's yeah not not worth seeing this one but i would look forward to the remake a lot yeah i don't think whereas we would suggest rereading the book for yeah. all of its flaws there's really nothing yeah. to recommend this the this audiobook movie. is totally great because it's 46 hours if you need to go on a road trip or something it's, it's definitely an entertaining story to well do. And if you really want to see like the screwed up ending just mm-hmm. go to youtube and and, <laughs> and google out you know ending to the stand you can watch the last three <laughs> minutes and you'll get all that yes or, there aren't even any really good big speeches in here no just the exposition of bateman and that's it and i mean there's boring. no yeah I, mean, I love ray but that's mm-hmm. boring there was one moment in the whole thing that actually just made me cut a little bit it was when we're enough when they sing the national anthem when they all get to boulder you like that i that actually got to me a little it bit did? yeah Aww. just a little bit particularly when you see like the wild kid is there and he's got his he has another song but he's got right. his hand over his That's chest right or you've got uh nick who you've got is... nick who puts his hand on um, tom cullen's chest and he just starts to make it just to make a noise yeah. because he knows how important it is exactly. i thought that one scene that was nice i thought that if if the rest of the movie could have this kind of sensitivity and heart right in spite of the stereotypes and in spite mm-hmm. of the plot flaws then it would be something worth watching but in fact that's the only glimpse yeah. of something that would really be worthwhile we can only hope that mm-hmm. the remake that we'll see sometime oh. Maybe next year? I bet next summer. Yeah, like, I'm dying yeah. with Daniel Goody. I think yeah. it's probably going to be next summer. We don't know for sure. And things happen fast. Yeah. Well, it's like the, you know, it was only a couple of months ago they announced there was going to be a Picard TV series on CBS. And it's already casting and filming and they're doing trailers and wow. it'll be on in a couple of months. They just bing, bang, boom, they're getting this thing done. Doesn't look like they're moving quite that warp speed, so to speak. Well, good, because this, I don't but... want them rushing something and fucking it up again. <laughs> no, nope, but enough of that. But, yeah, no but... more fuckery. <laughs> oh, yeah, in this case, we're waving you off. No reason to watch this. Yeah. But there is a reason to come back next week when we'll be talking about yet something else. I think we've finished with the stand for yes. the moment. And we'll be moving on probably one of the smaller, easier deals. Mm -hmm. Uh, Check out Instagram and Twitter and the website to find out what it's going to be. Yeah. Uh, But we'll be back next week with yet another brilliant (laughs) analysis of some damn thing or other. Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. goddamn right. Yeah, yeah, goddamn, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm here for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, thanks very much, and thank you, Kat. That was great. Oh, thanks, Brad. Talk Love to you later. Bye. Bye. And that about does it for the stand book and miniseries. Both. We'll obviously be back to this level of the tower when the new CBS All Access series of the Stand is complete, and we'll be following casting news and filthy rumors about it as it's made over on our mini episode. So stay in touch. Meanwhile, remember, the beautiful and haunting intro and outro music for The Dark Multiverse is provided courtesy of the amazing musician, composer, artist, and performer Chrysanthi Tan. You can hear much more of her work and much more clearly over on iTunes at her own website, which is www.chrysanthitan.com, or on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Think of the flower and the color, smash them together, or just visit our own website, www.darkmultipod.com, where you can find an all-too-convenient link to all of the above. Also, if you've got even a couple of seconds to rub together, please go visit us on iTunes and leave a rating and review. You'd be amazed how much good it does. And then tell every single one of your friends and neighbors and even the random stranger about our wonderful work here. And be sure to check in on Instagram and Twitter, both at, at DarkMultipod, to see what we'll be talking about next week. 
We'll see you back here on Friday for our next mini episode, cram full of news and shameless gossip about the King family in all its iterations. Then meet us back here next Monday for another full throttle adventure somewhere in the multiverse. And until then, remember, my life for you.